Welcome everybody to the cast from the coast. My name is Adam Miles and I'm joined as always by Josh Lambert and Tim Johnson. What are we talking about tonight, Tim? I use this term a lot, but I mean it this time. The classic, the classic, amazing, I don't even have the words to describe how amazing this movie is. 1968's Night of the Living Dead. Stay tuned. the synopsis tim calm down with the sass there adam a ragtag group of pennsylvanians barricade themselves in an old farmhouse to remain safe from the bloodthirsty flesh-eating breed of monsters who are ravaging the east coast of the united states it's a good overview because this is as you said tim a classic classic film classic classic film all right so you can't talk about modern day horror without talking about the origins of one of the most popular subsect of horror ever the zombie film and as it comes down to it everything pre-1968 that has to do with zombies has to do with some form of voodoo magic trance not the zombie as we know it today George A. Romero, the godfather of horror and zombies, the creator of the modern-day zombie, started that shit in 1968, my friends. He started that shit. It came he, out of his head. It, right yeah. there. But not only that, I get a lot of people, when I say, Man, have you ever really sat down and watched the 68 classic Night of the Living Dead? People go, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's an old movie, it's black and white, it's on TV every now and then. I'm like, no, have you ever sat down and watched it? It is a brutal fucking movie in a lot of ways. Even, not just for its time. It's brutal. There is stuff on there where I'm like, I'm surprised they got away with that. Because some of the shit that's in that movie, they don't get away with today. Well, and the... The thing is, my most recent viewing of this movie, um, I just, I noticed that, like, a lot of the things that we see now that are the norm, especially, you know, zombie movie tropes, were all there. They were all there in this first original movie. Um, I don't know what George Romero did. I don't know how he came up with this idea. 
Um, you know, they weren't called zombies, obviously. They were ghouls. They were ghouls. Yeah. Ghouls. Um, but I don't know. It's just a lot of these tropes, if it's not broke, don't fix it type of thing, right? So, I don't know. You can see I, the, the main character archetypes of zombie movies developing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and um, I watched that big documentary about it a couple Bur- of years ago. Birth of the Living Dead? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I love how George Romero was talking and saying, you know, when he cast um, Dwayne Jones, um, everybody's like, oh, you're being edgy, or people try to talk him out of it because, you know, Dwayne Jones, black man. Um, and he was like, I wasn't even thinking that. It was just he was the best guy for the job. Yeah. And he was. He was a great... He was a great character, great character actor, and um, it kind of makes, you know, I, I'm jumping the gun a little bit, but, you know, the ending, mm. a little, like... Sad. Mm, yeah, because I I think they knew he wasn't a zombie. Yeah, well... <laughs> and they killed him anyway. There was, there was a whole social, there was a whole social thing behind that one, too, right? Because there were also, yeah. you know, depictions of the end being a little bit different, which they kind of dealt with in the 90 remake, the 1990 remake as well. So it kind of went that different direction that you would expect. But yeah, so here we have, once again, the whole tropes behind the, the zombie genre. So a ragtag group, as it was stated, uh, you have the farmhouse, you have like people boarding themselves in, you've got factions of people, so you've got like the, we're safer down here. We're safer up there. You've got people losing their minds. You've got people protecting other people because you know, that whole trope behind that's still my daughter. That's still played out in all the movies today. You know, you've got the people who you've got the unhappy endings is a big thing. Like this is one of those movies that when you're watching it and I say this to my son, whenever we watch a lot of horror movies, it's like, now remember don't get if attached to. A, if you turn into a zombie, I'm gonna fucking shoot you. Yeah. <laughs> or no, if you get bitten, you better fucking tell me. <laughs> it is usually the rule, but you know, it, when you turn into a zombie, I will put you down as another one. Yeah, but it's gonna kill you. Daddy will take care of it. It's okay. But the other thing is too is that you tell them don't get attached to characters in horror movies, and this was a prime example of that. This was Game of Thrones before Game of Thrones, man. Like this is, this is the way that it, it happens because it was no way to truly be happy. And when you watch it, you can see how it moved into the rest of the series that he eventually made, Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead and everything else. There was that whole experience of life starting to just go down the shitter in a very quick manner. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is one of the first movies to really have like gore. Isn't it? Yeah. Like in, in this type of visual. Now, I mean, we're talking, you can go back into the twenties and watch like German, German expose and art films like Haxen, where they have like, you know, hands that were cut off and, you know, and shit like this. But, but the idea like intestines of and livers and stuff being, no. eaten. being eaten by humans, like the cannibalistic type of things right. like that. No, they, there was, this was one of the first things to ever truly show something like that. If something like that had been depicted before, it would be like a monster eating somebody's arm, mm. you know, and it was kind of 
goofy. You know what I mean? Yeah, but like this... the Hammer films are horror movies, but there's no gore. Not really. Uh, blood there's used blood, but no, yeah. yeah. No yeah. gore and effluence and intestines right. and shit like that. It's usually just blood. And, you know, you get, like, in the horror, in the Hammer films and a lot of other ones, you get the wounds. Yeah. And the people dying from wounds. But, yeah, ripping people apart and, you know, like, the, especially, like, the uh, scene where, one of my favorite scenes, where the zombies are pulling the bodies from the wreckage. Yeah. And chowing down on them. Like, and and are people are getting sick. animal livers that they're eating. Yeah, like, they're chomping like, down on, like, friggin' cow oh, livers and the, stuff. One of the guys. on a lamb liver or whatever it was. Well, one of the, one of the, the, I mean, this is literally the epitome of a indie film, mm-hmm. like independent little film and Romero and, um, Russo. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, Russo was the writer, so I don't know how, how involved he was with the actual production production, but I know that Romero basically got like so many of the the just residents of Pennsylvania to help and one of them was the butcher and he was in the film but he also provided like all the meat and they'd cover it with like barbecue sauce and they would just fucking eat these giant pieces of ham and like you know it's you perfect. know what I mean like yep. yeah so and I, I mean it. it's making me sick to my stomach now I'm like that is a, a legitimate liver that, that guy is eating and it's yeah. raw Gross. Gross. <laughs> Absolutely. Covered in barbecue sauce. Well, so so it doesn't taste as bad. <laughs> You're still putting a big old cow liver in your face. <laughs> That's right. Um, okay, so so just a bit, little bit more about the story. So once again, it goes back to the idea that this is the, the turn in the world. This is when we don't know what's going on. There's panic in the streets. And I love the fact that you, it really does show the different sides of the human emotion and how we would handle this. You've got, once again, within the farmhouse, you've got the factions, the upstairs, the downstairs, the alpha males, butting heads, which is better, you know, what are we going to do? But then you've also got what you see on the news, which is these hillbillies and rednecks out there just basically having fun shooting the shit out of these things and and taking care of the situation and everything's going to be fine guys get your 22s and let's go you know what i mean and it's the good old boys the good old boys it was like a, an american mentality behind wow. this you know what i mean like that's what would happen right and i don't doubt it like if the zombie apocalypse happened tomorrow you would see that you would see them rounding them up and shooting them like that because it's just something to shoot one of my favorite aspects of this movie is, though, as much as it is a social commentary on the human condition, right? <laughs> but as much as this is like a social commentary, my favorite aspect of the whole thing is us, the viewer, are just as clueless as the people in the movie. Like, there's no, this is how it happened. Mm. This is why this is happening. No one knows what's going on. You know what I mean? Like, I really, I really liked that. Um, Especially put yourself in that perspective in the time frame when the movie was created when zombie films weren't a thing. Yeah. So this is the first one of its kind, and you're like, what is going on? These corpses are reanimating? Now, they did have a very H.G. Wells effect on the scenario because... They did try to give an explanation in this movie. So 
but they didn't kind of solidify it. That's the other thing is that it was all speculatory at this point. Yeah, it was. So theory. they talked. Are you talking about the newscast. Yeah, the newscast we're, we're talked about the the, uh, the yeah. recovered satellite that was coming back to Earth from like Venus, and they basically blew, yeah, it was like Venus or something like this, and they basically blew it up in the atmosphere because they said that it was when they when it was coming back, the data that it was transmitting stated that it had really extremely dangerous levels of like. Uh, it was it was like high radiation levels, and they didn't want it entering the earth because if it had hit earth, like it, it would be deadly. So they they like blew it up in space, and now they're like it might be the reason why this is all happening. But it's not like they ever said that's what happened. It's it was all speculation at that point. And then it plays into the second movie, Dawn of the Dead. When in Dawn of the Dead, you know the infamous quote: "When there's no more room in hell." the dead will walk the earth. So you had yet another theory as to why things are going on. And then the third movie was, we don't give a shit why it's happening. It's just, it's over. (laughs) You know what I mean? So let's just try to cope with it. And it was, you know, we're past the point of giving a shit and speculating. We just know that we have to live like this now. So it was kind of really interesting to see that progression through the movies. So characters, you already mentioned Dwayne Jones playing Ben. Oh, perfect. Amazing. Amazing. To this day, one of my favorite leading men characters in almost any movie. The guy's brilliant. Groundbreaking, because wasn't he one of the first African-American main leads Mm -hmm. ever? Yes. Yeah, he was. And they caught a lot of slack for it, but it was perfect. I mean, even if you are some kind of racist, right? Even if you are some kind of, like... You know, you feel some stupid way about it. How can you get mad at that man's performance? Like, he was amazing. Who mm. cares what color he was? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but, yeah, no, it was it was groundbreaking. And I feel that, like, he could have been anybody. Any color. Any, any, he could have been anybody. It could have been a woman. Like, that's how well his character was written like he was just mm-hmm. this this person in this situation and this is how he reacted and he he basically tried to you know run the shit you know and he did fantastic he did fantastic he did. and he the did. best the best part was his interaction with the rest of the characters too because he had his head on straight and he was ready to handle shit he was a leader is what he was. He was the one who was going to help them get through this. They just needed to get their act together and, and work with him. Then you've got the ever so infamous Barbara, played by Judith O'Day. Oh, she sucked. Hated Barbara. She, well, I feel... The character doesn't translate very well to modern day. No, and I feel that Barbara was supposed to be us. Because everybody's watching the movie and they're stunned and they don't know what to say and fucking Dwayne Jones comes up and he's like, "Will you listen and wake the fuck up?" You know what I mean? Like, oh, like, was that a closed fist that he used on her? By the way, that was a no, powerful that was a, smack. That was that was open. That Come was open. Whatever it was that knocked her the fuck out. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like that wasn't like a smack. That was like a thud. Yeah. Um, but Judith O'Day is Barbara. So Barbara is a 
She's an iconic character. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, they're coming to get you, Barbara. You know, and her name alone, you know, being said in that way. And, and stop it, Johnny, you're scaring me. And that whole situation. It's, to this day, it's... <laughs> It's, it's, it's in the hollowed halls of horror. Like it's, it's uh, there. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you, but I'm just trying to get over your Barbara impression. Stop Oof. it, Johnny. <laughs> You're scaring me. But yeah. So even though she's an important character, because she is, we follow her throughout the entire story. You know, Ben kind of takes over at one point because he is the true leader and and the, the kind of the head of the story. But she was so useless and vulnerable. She might as well have been a little kid. It would have made more sense because Ben's whole role is to protect her. And she's just sitting there comatose on the sofa with mm-hmm. her mouth open drooling. But I think that the best part of her character, and I really hate to say it this way, do not take me the wrong way. It's already done. I'm doing it. You're Whatever doing it? Whatever you say, I'm okay. thinking the opposite. The best part of her character is the fact that, like Josh has already said, she's so useless, but she still progresses the story in different ways. At the very end, she has, in my opinion, one of the most memorable deaths. Because she is literally hauled off screaming by her own brother. Yeah, like dope. the irony dope. in that and that You're scene like, is johnny? dope <laughs> yeah like she's she's like she's oh my god it's johnny and he just I love takes her away driving gloves on <laughs> yes but when he appears in the doorway in that iconic scene where he's like slapping the uh, the edge of the doorway to pull himself in and she goes johnny and he grabs her and she's screaming and he just walks away with her and she's so stunned it's just, it's it's a fitting end for her. Like, I hate to say it, it really is. It's a fitting end no, for her. It was it was good. It was good. It yeah. was good. Um, Johnny's kind of a dick. Johnny's kind of a dick. He is a dick at the beginning, and once again at the end, he's a zombie well, dick. He's a zombie at the end. Zombie, zombie dick. dick. <laughs> he's a dick, dick zombie, man. Like, what the heck? Um, then we have Harry Cooper. The other head of the other faction, who is the classic villainous asshole. Fuck. I would like to think, if I was in a zombie apocalypse, I would be a perfect blend between Ben and Harry Cooper. That's amazing. Perfect right through the middle. You're going to be a bit of an asshole, but you're going to be a leader at the same time. and Just heroic enough to survive, and just enough of an asshole to make sure no one else survives with me. Yep. <laughs> um, Reminds me of the uh, the bad guy from Train to Busan. His character is definitely based off him. Oh, oh, oh man, yeah, yep. yep, good call, Josh. Yeah, good fucking call. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Especially when you know he's like, you know, oh my God, they're bitten, they're evil, they're turning. You know, like that whole turn people against him scenario. Yeah. Uh, so good old Harry Cooper who ultimately because he's a dick as well is responsible for more people dying in this movie and uh his wife helen cooper who like is her. who's a Even great character she, she was hardly in it but she yeah had some sass she had some sass and i liked her she only put up with harry so much mm-hmm. but yeah. she definitely did have some sass i i like that i like that actress and i like that character as well yep 
Uh, and then we have the uh, Tom and Judy characters, which are just so uh, ironically named Tom and Judy. But they're they're throwaway characters. Like in this one, what what's really interesting is, and we'll get into discussions about the remake and stuff another time. But like the Tom and Judy character are just extra characters in this. They're just fodder. Like they're they're literally just stowaways in the house. And I found that in this version of the movie, they didn't really have any substance to them. But wasn't it their house though? Not in it this was one. Their uncle's house. No, no that's in the remake. The re the remake yeah. calls yeah. it that that was the situation uh, that uh, the, the uncle the uncle it was his uncle's house and the, yeah in this yeah. one they just they came across the farmhouse and they jumped in and the and then yeah. Cooper and his what Harry Cooper and his wife showed up afterwards so I mean, they, they I really had no substance surprise I was awful surprised when they blew the truck up <laughs> it was a good fitting continue to the story it was it was a good situation but they literally were just feeding the zombies that's all they were there for is to feed the zombies yep and then we have the little mini cooper <laughs> the iconic poster girl for the movie the iconic poster girl for the movie who the first real zombie kid too because no matter how many zombie movies come out it's few and far between when you until you get kid zombies you know what I mean? It's but it's you weird. Want to know the only my my only thing with Karen, okay, the kid, is how she killed her mom. Like, really, with like a fucking trowel, yeah, whatever, yeah. Um, just fucking bite her. Like that would have been cooler. That yeah. was my only, zombies were pretty uh, pretty agile. Handy with like, tools. They had use of their yeah. hands and tools. Yeah. And, and that's interesting, too, because that's when you get into the conversations between people all the time. You always get the people going, I prefer Romero zombies. They're slow. Okay, have you ever seen the original Night of the Living Dead? They actually, like, like putter around Saunter. pretty damn quick. Saunter. Yeah. Like, in, in the Romero world, and Romero stated this flat out in many interviews, when they're fresh, they're fresh. They can, you know put up a bit of a speed they have a little bit of a thought process on things it's when well, they start to you know, age and rot more the scientific the scientific version or uh the theory is that it's because when they're fresh they still have all their blood in their muscles and shit so it's able to move normally and it's when they get older and the blood drains and dries up and all that that's atrophy kicks in and yeah and like uh rigor mortis and all that shit yeah exactly and there's there's less to the brain now and they, they just don't think about things anymore so instead of picking up a rock and smashing a window with it they'd pick up a rock and they'd look at it and then probably drop it and move on because they just there's there's no function there anymore right but i mean romero stated that openly like when they're fresh they're, they're fresh they're fresh they move so running zombies they happen Shit happens. It's just, once again, as Romero progressed his story, there would only be so much of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you're pretty much past all that in the world at this point. Mm. So, Josh. Yes. I'd really like to hear your notes. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> okay. I, uh, I never actually seen this movie from start to finish, which is a sin, but here we are. Nice to see we've uh, corrected that for you. And I've seen a lot of clips, and I mean, I've, I've seen that iconic scene 
in hundreds of documentaries where they're like ripping apart the flesh and how it got banned in Germany because of it and a lot of the European nation. But yeah. And uh, I finally got to know where the they're coming to get you, Barbara, line was from. Because I've heard that. Stop Barbara. it, Johnny! Uh, my first viewing of Night of the Living Dead took place September 15th, 2020, at 3.52pm. Uh, this is truly the film that started it all. When we talk about, like, the zombie genre, this is it. We, we hit on that before, that before it was all, like voodoo-related or something to that effect. This is the first zombie zombie. Even though they're still kind of developing the rules of the zombie. Can they walk? Can they run? Can they problem-solve? But, but the, the key elements are there. Bullet to the head. Kills them. Yep. They're uh, uh, very Frankenstein-inspired, though. I mean, fire scares them away. they are got their arms up, kind of lurching around. Well, Frankenstein is a zombie. Yeah. Uh, the scariest thing of all, daylight savings. It's like a two-minute conversation about daylight savings at the start of this movie. <laughs> uh, after the five-minute long drive. Yeah, yeah. I actually really liked that opening drive scene. It was cool. Uh, is that the tall man patrolling the graveyard for Jawa fodder? Sure looked like him. Shit. I wrote, they're coming to get you, Barbara. Uh, this rich pansy boy looks like he's never fought anyone in his life. He immediately just starts hugging the guy, and they're, like, wrestling around. Not a single punch is thrown. Makes sense. Yeah. They are very stiff. Quote. Uh... <laughs> Very Frankenstein inspired, I don't know. Uh, wow, definitely wasn't expecting the decaying corpse upstairs. That first uh, flash that you get of like the effects work. So yeah. that's like the first kind of gory effects you see. One of my favorite Mondo artwork posters is a focus mm. on that. I'm, and it, it's I brilliant. I literally have that on my screen right yeah. now. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I love that one. Uh, we already talked about this too, but uh, a lead blackmail is pretty unheard of at this time. Uh, it did a lot for the horror genre. This film did a lot in general as far as uh, what was acceptable in gore. Uh, the blood dripping from the stairwell scene, very awesome. Uh, they stopped it down, slowed it, and did some wonky effects. Barbara's pretty fucking useless. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate to say it, but that opinion didn't change throughout the movie, and we're pretty at the start of it. Uh, pretty much as soon as she gets into that farmhouse, she is useless. She gets like four pieces of kindling when Ben says, go get some wood to like block up the doors and windows. And he's ripping the cabinets down, and he's got doors going, and he's hammering them in. And she comes in just kind of stunned with like four little pieces of kindling. It's like, oh, you fucking fool. Useless fool. Uh, this is no Sunday picnic quote <laughs> and then I just wrote did he just knock her out yeah he <laughs> knocked her the fuck out yep uh, things that look like people but act like animals who were these dicks from under the stairs I wrote 
they chopped the zombies' fingers off. That was a really weird effect. Where the hand's there, and they're, like, hacking away at it. I don't know what they use, but it looked like gelatin or something. And, like, the fingers just start falling apart. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just gelatin. Yeah. Uh, naked zombie lady. Yeah, there's another thing that's in this movie. There's nudity in this movie. Yeah. Which was common in, like... Yeah! 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 But I, I think that's probably one of the first, like, horror movies that had that. I'd say close to it. Uh, Hel- Helen is ter- telling Harry what's what, and I love it. Yeah. How can he think hiding in the cellar is a good idea? That is the worst idea. A horrible idea. Radiation from Venus. Wait, what? <laughs> that was their description of one of those zombies? Radiation from... I wish I didn't know that part. <laughs> Uh, this guy's way too quick to jump to Motel Cocktails. Like, it's just, that's the first idea. I know what we do. We just fucking light everything on fire. Burn it all. Did they just blow up? (laughs) I feel like you just asked that, like, to us right now. Did they just blow up? Yeah. Yes. I was, I I couldn't believe it. I was like, huh. All right. Okay. My jacket's caught in the door. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking rights. Knock out Mr. Cooper. That's neat to see the archetype of zombie movies being made. So again, the the Ben character, the Barbara character who's useless just in the corner, the kind of douchebag character, Mr. Cooper, the zombie kid, which is in almost every zombie movie. And this is the scene that got the film banned overseas, the zombie eating the flesh. And I can tell you, like I said, my stomach churned when I realized they were eating actual fucking animal guts. Gross. Go indie films. Uh, Kill the brain, kill the ghoul. Nice established rule. Uh, Zombie child is here. Yep. I wrote the zombie horde attack. So that scene was intense. They got probably 20, 30 extras sticking their arms through the holes, thrashing around. Yeah. And then my last note is just, they shot Ben. Oh, that was heartbreaking. Like, he wasn't even a zombie. Nope. But they weren't taking chances. They seen something moving. He wasn't even a zombie. That's not fair. No, that's right. And those are Josh's notes. Those are Josh's notes on the classic Night of the Living Dead. Classic Night of the Living Dead. Classic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so you bring up some good points about special effects in there, too. So this movie 
an interesting story about this one that kind of came out, and I don't know if it's going to be part of Trivia Time with Tim, but Tom Savini, Tom Savini was originally supposed to work on this movie. Oh, yeah? And then he got called away active duty in the military, and he didn't. So that's why he was very big on Dawn of the Dead, because he had come back, started working on some stuff, and rekindled the relationship with George Romero, and they moved forward. So it's kind of interesting to see some of the effects in this movie, but yeah, there's... You know, like you said, the kind of the gelatin hand that they had for the for the cutting off of the fingers. They had real animal guts that they had used. The explosions were interesting. Uh, you know, just the general ghoul makeup was cool, right? Um, they really put a lot into this movie for an independent film. Like, mm-hmm. shit just doesn't work like that nowadays. Like, And mm-hmm. they were able to hide a lot of it when it came to this because it's black and white. You know, yep. so they could use barbecue sauce for the blood and shit like that, right? And it worked really, really well. Um, one of my favorite is, like we had already talked about, is when coming up over the stairs, that flash of like the, the remnants of what had already been eaten by one of the, the ghouls. Um, that's that's iconic to me. That quick flash is just really well done. Because you didn't have to see it like in detail. It's just a flash. Couple flashes because when Ben sees it too, right? So Yeah. But yeah. The effects work in this movie is really well done. You know I mean films were mostly in color at this point, right? Like this was an artistic choice to do black and white. Yeah, it was an independent film. Black and white was yeah. easier to accommodate. There was a lot of color at this time. It was basically just we have a budget. It's cheaper to get the the. I think they used end reels, like the basically the end pieces for for uh, what yeah. had already been used and filmed in in Hollywood. They used end reel pieces and black and white, and they filmed it on cheap ass cameras. Because there's a couple of really weird cuts. I don't know if it was just the version I was watching, but there's some that are like very jarring. But one of the things that I think the main artistic choice of the fact that it was black and white was to. Um, Hide the gore, yeah, and make it actually get a rating, so it doesn't look like real blood, yeah, because it's in black and white. But also, um, to make the special effects look better. Yeah, absolutely. It's good, good. I, you know, good plan, good choices for it. Um, it what's really what's really interesting too is so the movie as we know is also public domain. So it's, yeah. one, of, it's yeah, one of those. So there's no copyright claims on it. Poor Romero. <laughs> so yeah, what so a scam. There's there's no copyright claims to it. So the way that it works with this movie in public domain is that there is a public domain copy that's floating around. It's free for everybody to watch. You can look it up anywhere you want. But there's also like a hundred different versions that people have quote unquote remastered and, and updated and HD copied and and everything else. Um, there's even on Amazon Prime. There's a colorized version. Where they somebody actually went through and they used that old coloring technique to actually pull yeah. from from the black and white like the grayscales, the varying colors and master it again. And I started to watch it the other night and it was interesting. Like it looked good, but it's not the same. But it's not the same. You're right. So I didn't finish watching that copy. I went back and I watched an old HD, you know, black and white copy, just a good print of it. But, uh, but yeah, I'd be interested to see that too. But I mean, that leads to once again, the fact that anybody can get the old, old, you know, public domain copy and clean it up and call it whatever the hell they want. You know what I mean? And release it. So that's the only way that anybody has any claim to it is the version that you release. 
So, Tim. Oh. oh. I think I think I think you know what time That's it nice. is. Trivia time, with Tim. What? Classic. Classic, <laughs> Tim. Classic. Okay, so this was probably uh, one of the most successful independent movies ever made. It was made for $114,000, which is the equivalent to $847,000 today. It grossed approximately $30 million, which is the equivalent to $223.6 million today. Wow. Over 263 times its budget. That's impressive. Yeah. It is really impressive. I mean, it, it spawned an awful lot of sequels. It did. Hmm. Um, when the writers decided to base this film on zombies, they brainstormed about what would be the most shocking thing for the zombies to do people, and they decided cannibalism. Um, when the zombies are eating the bond bodies out of the burnt-out truck, they're actually eating roast ham covered in chocolate sauce. <laughs> the filmmakers joked that it was so it was so uh, nausea-inducing that it was almost a waste of time putting uh, the makeup on the zombies as they ended up looking pale and sick anyway. <laughs> nice. Uh, when discussing for the uh, when discussing the film for Bravo's 100 scariest movie moments, George A. Romero said. The moment they finished editing the film in Pittsburgh, they put the reels into the can, threw it into the truck, and drove straight to New York City that night in hopes of having it screened by any willing theater. Oh, just by anybody who's willing to screen it. I know. It's Bosco, amazing. chocolate syrup was used to simulate blood in this film. <laughs> Unfortunately, poor George saw a very very little profit from this film due to his lack of knowledge regarding distribution deals and the distributors walked away with practically all the profits. Ouch. That's why you should always get an agent. Yep. The character of Ben was originally supposed to be a crude but resourceful truck driver with no specific uh, um, with no spe spe ugh, I can't speak. They didn't care what race he was. No specified no... race. Thank you. After Dwayne Jones, in real life, a self-serious uh, academic addition uh, for the part, the director and co-writer, George Romero, rewrote the part to fit his performance. Brilliant. The body upstairs uh, in the house was made by George Romero, who used ping pong balls for the eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. The word zombie is never used. The most common euphemism uh, used to describe the living dead is those things, mostly by Cooper. The other characters refer to the creatures as ghouls and flesh eaters. However, the film uh, codified many tropes about zombies that have been used in pretty much every movie since, including zombies eating human flesh and only zombies can be killed by shooting them in the head. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> The U.S. movie rating system was instituted in November of 1968. This film was released October 1st, 1968, and was the last films to be released in the U.S. without a rating. Hmm. This was the one of the very last big hits of the drive-in era. 
Uh, screenwriter John A. Russo appears as the zombie who gets killed by Ben with a tire iron. He also allowed himself to be set on fire for real when no one else wanted to do the stunt. Romero approved of one of his co-writers doing the zombie walk. I probably, I was probably hung over, Russo stated. <laughs> That so first many. zombie is so iconic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he milked it for uh, all it's worth, too. Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah. Um, as we all know, this was George A. Romero's first movie ever. Uh, Dwayne Jones. Yeah. Dwayne Jones was an unknown stage actor when he was cast in the lead role. Uh, we'll do two more. In the graveyard scene, a real gravestone that Barbara cowers behind says, Nicholas Kramer. Those remains are interred to Evans City Cemetery in Jackson's Township of Butler County in Pennsylvania. I wonder if they would have had to get permission. Hmm. No, not back then. Um, Hard to believe, but much of the dialogue was actually improvised. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. That's why I said it's kind of hard to believe because a lot of it seemed very off the page. The radio that Dwayne Jones and Judith O'Day hear the news reports on is a 1939 Zenith 7S363. The television is a 1952 Motorola. I bet you that graveyard is a big pilgrimage point for people that are like Romero nuts. It is. Oh, uh, so many, so many places in Pennsylvania, are so many. Mm. But yes, that 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 whole graveyard is. Uh, Judith O'Day performed uh, pretty much all her own stunts, which she jokingly claimed amounted to lots and lots of running. Um, and lastly, this film ranked number nine on Bravo's 100 Scariest Moments from 2004. Nice. And that has been Trivia Time with Tim. There is so much trivia for this fucking movie. Oh, it absolutely continues. So much. The only other thing that we can add into there, because you didn't say it, but this movie had an original title that they changed it from, which was infamous. And you would see uh, prints of the movie that were retitled this for the the sake that people wanted to. But the original title was... Did you say the sack people? The the sake of people wanting to, I guess. I heard sack. The sack people wanted it. Who are the sack people? (laughs) (laughs) Night of the Flesh Eaters. Yeah. Was the original title. And, you know, they... There was some creative reasons why they changed it. I like the fact that they changed it, but Night of the Flesh Eaters was the original title. So, thank you, Tim. Trivia time with Tim. And, and, and Adam. Yes, and trivia time with Adam. Classic. Uh, classic. Classic. All right, gentlemen. We need to give our thoughts on this movie and f- officially rate it. So, I'm going to let Josh go first. You always let Josh go first. Poor Tim sitting here. I think you went first last time, Tim. I didn't. I've been last like the last three movies. Josh, go. Fuck go. Yourself, Tim. <laughs> Classic, <laughs> Josh! Um, so this movie 
is one of those ones that it's hard to even really rate. No, it's because not. it is. Because it's not. It. It's. There's like horror legacy, and then there's what started it all, and this is that. Like, there's no Walking Dead. There's no Night of the Living Dead returns there's no zombie genre and the zombie genre is so much of what horror is like you wouldn't even have like the hills have eyes and all these other movies that are kind of the same theme that there's this group of maniacs zombies whatever ghouls creatures that are coming to eat you kill you whatever that whole genre wouldn't exist without this movie so you kind of have to overlook the fact that it's incredibly dated because, I mean, it is. Uh, the effects are minimal compared to what today we see. But at the time, they were groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. Like, extremely groundbreaking. To the point where it was able to video nasty and ban from the majority of the UK. Uh, you mentioned that it was in Drive-Ins. Like, this was the movie that Drive-Ins wanted. Still you is. You played this movie, you filled your drive-in. It still gets played in drive-ins around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it follows almost all my rules, if not all, of great horror movies. Uh, you're confined to one area, and you feel for the characters. Now, I wish the zombies were more aggressive and all these things, but that's stuff that comes with time. That's developing that character that is the zombie. Yeah. Um, it, you can't not rate it an iron, in my opinion. You have to go see this. It's recommended, definitely. I don't think I can give it an X, uh, just comparatively to what I personally like, what's out there nowadays, but I think this movie definitely deserves an hour, and that's because it is the horror legacy. So Josh has given it an R. Yeah. Okay. Tim? Do you share, share a lot of the same sentiments? No, I don't. I don't at all. Um, though I can sense from Josh's review, I'm going to give a review of Josh's review, and then I'm going to give a review. No, I feel that Josh, Josh's review is very sincere, and I believe that he likes the movie. Obviously, you gave it an R, and yeah. it's very rare for you. I feel that um, given given your exposure to any given movie. You know, um, the, I I feel for the first time you watching this movie, it's a pretty high rating that you gave it, and I think that's awesome. I, um, I think the most important thing is that the air is for respect. The amount of respect that I have for this movie. Yeah. Um, because thing. yeah, this movie this movie was a trailblazer. It was the first of its kind. It started a lot of you know continuing zombie tropes it it started its own brand of movies um george romero alone with the sequels that came out um he couldn't get away from the zombies um you know and then you look at the popularity of like the walking dead um and you know all that kind of stuff um, I feel that josh's list was made based off of the the night of the living dead it's literally everything that you say in that list is Night of the Living Dead. Pretty much. The fact that you didn't rate it in X, I'm shocked. I'm shocked of how closely I... it follows your list. 
But it's just so dated. Yeah, but you know what? So Some... is fucking Evil Dead. But that's a good dated. Uh, I Don't f- cherry I pick, the... man. I but feel like I can't cherry thing. pick. It's my it's my field of cherries. I'm picking. <laughs> I feel that yes, um, a lot of the effects are absolutely dated, um, but that doesn't deter me from thinking this is probably one of one of the greatest horror horror movies ever made. Um, yep. Just given the fact of what it's done, its legacy, I can still watch this and thoroughly enjoy this. Thoroughly enjoy this. I enjoyed this so much maybe a month and a half ago with my very dear friend Marilyn that we watched both back-to-back the 68 and 90. Back-to-back. And it was like two different movies, but it wasn't. Like, that's how we got into it. Um, I just... I, I, I there's This is one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, the only thing, in my opinion, that this movie is not as good as is Halloween, which is my favorite horror movie of all time. Um, but this is a very close second. It is, in my opinion, top tier, top shelf, real nice horror. I'm, I have to give this an X. I have to give this an X. If I, I didn't, think... I'd be doing a disservice to myself. It's an X. And I agree with almost everything you said. I just you can't share the myself. sentiments. I just don't see myself putting this into my rotation. Like I'm not gonna watch this all the time. I'm just not. It's you old. It's dated. You don't have to though. You don't have to watch it all the time. But I couldn't give it an X. I couldn't just, give it my highest try, rating if it's something I'm not. Nah, I can't do it. Try I, it. I, I just do it. Try it. Not something I want to watch all the time. I want to finish a movie and it say feels that so movie good. was so good. I'll hear replay and watch this movie again right now. That's how much I I like this movie. House 2? I could watch House 2 back-to-back three times in a row. Wouldn't phase me. Still enjoy it just as much. I did. You gave House 2 an X? I don't remember. It was a blur. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. House 2 Sad state of affairs that House 2 outranks this movie for Josh. I know. I know. It really is 2020. It really is. (laughs) Yeah. Shit, like, I already know, I can literally verbatim can tell you what Adam is going to say and what he's going to rate it. I can. I won't, because that <laughs> would be fair. And Adam should have his own voice. But, with that all being said, I give this an X. Adam. Thank you. Nicely done, Tim. All right. This is the movie that started it all. This is the movie that gave zombies their voice in the world. This is the movie that gave us George Romero as a king of writing and horror. This is the movie that haunted people, gave people nightmares, produced visuals that are, you know, were unmatched for years, and people continued to try to reinvent and it gave us to what we know now it's the movie that inspired generations of filmmakers and fans alike you made it very clear when you said this josh and i 100 percent agree without this movie you wouldn't have stuff like the walking dead nicotero who was a friend of romero's in the later years and worked on things like day of the dead and stuff with uh, romero you know, and he starred in friggin' Day of the Dead. He 100% states Night of the Living Dead is pretty much the reason he loves horror. 
And it comes that way for a lot of us. It's, this is silver screen horror almost at its best. When you talk about silver screen horror, you've got the classic universal monsters, and then you've got night of the living dead right up there with them. This is the pinnacle of where things start. And I have so much love for this. This movie gets watched at least once a year, at least once a year. It's in a regular rotation, but I save it for special times. And I usually save it for the spooky season. (laughs) The spooky season. So I'm happy that we're watching this at this very spooky time of year, gentlemen. And we're recording this episode because it was just about time to watch the damn thing anyway. And it doesn't matter what copy I watch. And I could watch this movie front, back, all, you know, 20 times in a row. Don't matter. This movie could be sitting in the background and I will still love it just as much. The characters, Dwayne Jones himself, pitch perfect. Pitch perfect as Ben. You can't get better than that, man. And it just, the movie plays so damn well. And yes, it's dated. But there's a charm to movies that are dated. There's a charm looking back into the, the the social aspect of life at those time periods. You know, just like watching, uh, once again, uh, I'm going to say Frankenstein, right? You're looking into a difference of culture and life at those times, you know, and how people reacted to scenarios like that. Same with Dracula. Night of the Living Dead is no different. It's an Americanized look at the way that things are for the American people, the American public, but it gives us a brutal truth to what was going on as well this movie is in my opinion pitch perfect it is what horror was intended to be if you were alive in 1968 and of age to have seen this movie it would have haunted you for the rest of your life in a good it. in a good way nonetheless too if you enjoyed that you would have been struck by this movie and it would have carried you through everything else that you would have watched after that would have been compared to this movie in my opinion with that i 100% give this movie a total x rating i for a split second adam i thought you were going to rate it an r and then an and I. then you were just going to quit I was just going to quit. I'm done with this stupid show. <laughs> I'm done dealing with you, jokers. And your R ratings for no reason. No, I'm giving this movie an X. Because if there is anything, when I look at this movie, that be- that belongs in the annals of horror top shelf, <laughs> this movie sits up there. <laughs> what? Fucking Josh for ten dollar vocabulary, bud. Ten dollar vocabulary. It sounded like you said anals. And the anals of horror. This is top shelf. This is top shelf. There's no question about it. If this is one of those movies that if somebody was to tell me you could only take with you two movies, and those are the only two movies you would ever be able to watch for the rest of your life, number one would be the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Number two would be Night of the Living Dead, 1968. And I would be happy only ever watching those two movies for the rest of my life. Halloween and fucking Empire Strikes Back. The only two movies you ever need. And you know what? Once again, everybody has a difference of opinion. Josh, nobody cares about House 2 as much as you do. Shut up! (laughs) I'm only taking House 2. 
But Josh is not just taking House 2, he's taking two copies of House 2. Right? <laughs> just, just for some reason, you can only ever take two movies, I'm taking both copies! In case one wears out. Alright, gentlemen, this has been a good discussion, but we need to wrap things up tonight. So, I want to take a second to just thank everybody for tuning in tonight and watching this episode with us and finding out what makes Josh tick, which is a lot, apparently, so... We're just going to leave it at that. So thank you, everybody. Check us out on Facebook, Misunderstood Art Company. Like, share, and subscribe. We're also on YouTube. Like, share, and subscribe, the Misunderstood Art Company. Share everything. Tell everybody about us. We are They Cast from the Coast. Here we are. Come and love us. Uh, we also produce audio copies of all this content, which gets released weekly, and it is on all the major podcasting platforms, including but not limited to Google Play, iTunes, and Spotify. More coming, by the way. And we're also on Patreon. Open up your heart and your wallet. Buy Tim a coffee, because that's what keeps him going. Caffeine and love. Merci. <laughs> Until next time, Josh. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Iconic. Tim. Stay safe and stay spooky. All you sexy people. All right. See you next time, everybody. All right. Good night.